So where did she take you? What was the tour of heaven? What did you experience? Oh, so cool. You know, I'd call for her, I'd pop out of body. I'm like, hey, I made it halfway. Where are you, mom, 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 mom? And it didn't work for the longest time. You know, she'd sometimes come to visit me, but one time it worked. And she took me by the hand. You know, she looks 20 years old, 25. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I'll skip through it. It's kind of a long story, but uh, we popped through this barrier, you know, from the physical plane, I guess, to the next world. And, and suddenly it's this pastoral scene. It's really beautiful. Uh, it's just this field with a stream running through it and trees and flowers and the air is sparkling and the colors are twice as, everything's made of light. Mm -hmm. And uh, you feel so good. It's like the best summer morning when you're a kid ever. I mean, the feeling of love that envelops you is indescribable. Mm. And, and we just walked, flew over this field, actually landed next to the river. We walked in the river. She, she threw some seaweed at me, some algae. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you know, it's not getting you wet. It doesn't get you dirty. She was super uh, kind of amused by my surprise. Uh -huh. And uh, she's like, you haven't seen anything yet. You know, let's go farther. And I'm like, wow, there's other places. I mean, this is nice. Let's. And she just grabs me by the hand and you go up, 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 and then boom. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? If you feel like that's what you want to do. Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. As always, a galactic welcome to you today. Wonderful to be with you again. And please remember, if you're enjoying the shows, to like and subscribe and share the shows with people. I'd love it if you'd share the shows. I have a fascinating person to introduce you to today. His name is Preston Dennett. Welcome to the show, Preston. Hey, thanks, Karen. Appreciate it. We've been playing around with our uh, green screen backgrounds and um, I taught Preston this morning, my morning, his evening, uh, how to put a green screen on, but he's looking a little bit like an alien with his headphones. It's hilarious. <laughs> You've got a bigger head. It's hilarious. But just, just tell it just before I read your bio, just tell us about that picture you've got in the background there. It's uh, you, you said that's your favorite. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite because it's the first one my sister-in-law did. We worked together for years and years. And back in 1986, there was a wave of sightings over Topanga. And this is, illustration is based on an actual incident involving four kids who had this UFO come right down over their house. And I'm like, wow. Christy, could you illustrate this for me? This is amazing. And uh, yeah, it was the first illustration she ever drew. It ended up launching her into a career as a UFO artist. Wow. Wow. And uh, yeah, me as well, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, well, you showed me a couple of her drawings as we were playing around with the green screen. And she's a fabulous artist. So for people listening on audio, it's like this, it's a black and white sketch. It's a, it's a massive UFO uh, above a little house. And then this big beam of light beaming into this little house. And there's all trees around the little house. It looks like the house is in the country. 
Well, let me just tell people a bit about you who don't know you. you you've got an amazing YouTube channel and you've been on like a million other people's shows. So for people who are into UFO phenomena, I'm sure they've known about you before. Preston Dennett is a UFO paranormal researcher and the author of 26 books, including his latest book, Onboard UFO Encounters. He's written more than 100 articles and is an, is an award-winning science fiction author with more than 38 speculative fiction stories published, including one in the Writers of the Future, Volume 35. Several of his books have been on Amazon UFO bestsellers. His articles have appeared in numerous magazines, including Fate, Atlantis Rising, MUFON UFO Journal, Nexus, and many others. You had a slew of them, and I thought, I'm not going to read all of them out. <laughs> <laughs> and have been translated into several different languages, including German, French, Portuguese, Russian, and Icelandic. I thought that was interesting, the, the uh, Icelandic one. Uh, Preston began investigating UFOs and paranormal in 1986 when he discovered that his family and friends and co-workers workers were having dramatic unexplained encounters he has been interviewed uh, you, you know you've interviewed hundreds of witnesses and investigated a wide variety of paranormal phenomena as a field investigator for the mutual ufo network which is called mufon m-u-f-o-n and appeared on numerous radio and television programs including midnight in the desert with art bell that was a great show. Poor old Art. Well, not poor old Art, but he's left his um, body now, hasn't he? Art. That's right. Yeah. And Coast to Coast with George. Was that with George Norrie? I've done shows with George Norrie and other um, hosts. And where am I? I've lost my spot. And, and, and many others. Where are we? Oh, here we go. Coast to Coast. And the History Channel's Deep Sea UFOs and UFO Hunters. His research has been presented in the LA Times, the LA Daily News, the Dallas Morning News and other newspapers. It's interesting that the mainstream media have, have uh, looked into what you're doing. That's kind of exciting. And, has, and you've taught classes and lectured on various paranormal subjects across the United States. You currently reside in Southern California, where you continue to write books about aliens or off-world beings, both fictional and real. You can find Preston's website at Preston Dennett, spelt D-E-N-N-E-T-T dot Weebly dot com. You know, I've, I discovered you um, on YouTube a while ago. And then a friend of mine sent me your uh, show talking about healing with the ETs. And as somebody who works as a healer and a spiritual teacher, that really pricked up my interest. And I was fascinated by it. And you had so many encounters of people that had been healed by ETs. And one of them really stood out for me, and that was Dr. Reverend Michael Carter. And I just felt like to reach out to him. So we had Michael on the show recently. I think he contacted you, didn't he, and said thanks? <laughs> yeah, he did. He's a great guy. I love him. And uh, so let's let's talk about how it began with you. You just uh, started listening to people's encounters. What was happening when you first sort of started being interested in this? Um, I really wasn't interested. I, I hated <laughs> I hated UFOs because um, I just did not think they were real. Right. I was, I was pretty sure. You know, I, I was pretty sure the stars were too far away. Yeah. I've always been very scientifically minded. And uh, I just know that you can't travel between stars unless you have a faster than light 
engine. Right. Um, yeah. so, so I think they do. And how it all went down, actually, is I heard a report in the news about a sighting over Alaska. This was November, mid-November 1986. I remember it vividly. The whole family was there. And this pilot just describes this UFO. You know, this is a commercial jet airliner. That was a big sighting. But the news just kind of joked about it. And it intrigued me just enough <laughs> to ask my brother. And he's, because he had said he'd seen a UFO. And I didn't believe him. And he described this incredible encounter. He chased a UFO down the road. You know, a metallic saucer with colored lights, a dome. I'm like, this Marco. Was, this was your brother that chased a UFO down the road? Yeah, my, my own brother. I'm like, Marco, you, you got to be kidding me. He's like, no, you know, I was not alone. My friend was there, Greg and Phil. You can talk to them if you want. And I knew, I knew who they were. So, yeah, I, I called them up. And uh, they were happy to speak with me, actually. And uh, I was pretty shook up after hearing it because I couldn't understand it. Yeah. And I brought it up at work. That was a mistake. <laughs> Uh, I'd, I'd worked there for years, and here's you know the lady I, whose desk was next to mine. I'll call her Diane because her story ended up being really involved. Mm -hmm. um, she and her whole family had a wave, you know, a UFO hovering overhead, darting around, and, uh, and her daughter ended up having abductions by gray ETs. Wow! Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm like, oh. and, and in walks Dorothy. She's, you know, she's hearing uh, Diane describe, and Dorothy's like, UFOs? One followed me home from the library. <laughs> I'm like, Dorothy, what are you talking about? You know, these, these were, again, people I loved and trusted. Right. So uh -huh. uh, I, I knew they weren't lying. Mm -hmm. I knew that. And I was pretty sure they weren't misperceiving. And she describes how, as a kid, she and her best friend Carol were at the Pio Pico Library. This is in Koreatown. You know, I think this is 1970s, so some time ago. And this object just drops out of the sky. They thought it was a star-like object. They're looking at it and it drops down and it's right over the telephone wires. So it's like the saucer you have on the back almost behind you. Wow. Uh, it's just a metallic saucer with little lights going around it. And their mom drives up. It's nine o'clock. The library's just closed, so they know. And this thing follows them home from the library. So uh, and I ended up talking to both her best friend and her mother. <laughs> But she's like, Preston, it's so weird. We live five minutes from the library. And, you know, when this thing darted off, we looked at the clock. It was 10.15. Wow. And, uh, so she's like, I don't know what happened to the time. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ooh, ooh, because I just started picking up books at this point. <clears throat> and I, I kind of knew what happened to the time. Yeah. Uh, missing time. So this struck home for me. And it was not good news. I was pretty upset. And I still a little bit am because... My family and friends and coworkers were keeping secrets from me. Isn't it amazing how so many people, look, I say to people, you know, expose your woo-woo. <laughs> Don't keep it a secret. We are in these transitioning times where disclosure, exposure is happening, exposure of everything, exposure of corruption and dreadful things that we're hearing in the news, but exposure of all of it, of, of our powers of deliberate creation, of, you know, the, the reality of extraterrestrial life here on Earth and in the cosmos and how it's been dovetailing and interacting with us. And it's amazing when you do start talking about it and you stop being frightened, just like you, you know, the person in your cubicle next to you has this amazing story and they've never spoken about it because they're too scared to be called crazy. So yeah, exposure. So what were you working at at the time when you, 
you know, her Diane story in the cubicle next to you? Um, I was just doing data entry. Right. Okay. For, for, for medical billing. And uh, yeah, we, it's just your typical clerical office job. Uh, I still have the job actually. Oh, okay. Um, so, so I've been there for you know, 35 years. Wow. Okay. I suppose yeah. writing UFO books is not a hugely lucrative. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> not yet. Um, you know, I, I'm doing better than I was initially, certainly. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I have to work <laughs> for sure. And um, your common sense of, you know, I've talked to my brothers about this. I've talked to Mary Rodwell about this. Uh, I've got these two brothers who are completely, well, I've got three brothers, um, but two of them are completely obsessed with sci-fi. Unbelievable. And I've asked them about UFOs, you know, what do you think? And they have the same logic as you. You know, they think, oh, yeah, they're out there. They're just not on Earth or near Earth or can get to Earth because they're thinking that, you know, their technology is the same as ours. And if you use our technology, we aren't going anywhere in the universe with, you know, <laughs> petrol engines. And uh, so what did you discover about their technology and their ability to fly around the cosmos? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they do have what we would call faster than light travel. This could be, you know, not necessarily traveling at light speed, but sort of going through wormhole type thing. Wormholes. Mm. Gravity technology. Uh, we don't know exactly how they do it, but I can tell you one thing. I've investigated a lot of cases where people are taken on board a UFO and they're often taken to the control room. That's uh -huh. not unusual. And the ETs try to describe how it works. <gasps> like one lady, uh, it was really interesting. She's had encounters quite some time and was getting pretty used to it and able to interact with these greys. And they took her over New York. She's like lived in Louisiana at the time. Suddenly she's on board. She, she would have her UFO dreams at night. And suddenly she's over New York. And then she's over LA. In the blink of a second, then she's back over New York. And they said, do you understand? And she says, oh, well, I think so. This is like Star Trek. <laughs> you use the transporter beam. And they said, no, you don't understand yet. And so they did it again. And said, now do you understand? She's like, well, no, <laughs> you're going to have to explain it. And they told her that they're not actually moving. Uh, they are bending space. Mm. What they told her. You know, what I've heard is that time and space is an illusion. Uh, that we are experiencing in our third dimensional reality. But when you understand the mechanics of it and you understand that time and space is just a frequency point, like I think that somebody who was teaching us in the inner sanctum, which is my online groups, um, how to astral, not astral, um, how to remote view. And um, talking about th that when you find a coordinate, you just dial that coordinate and then you're there instantly. So yeah. like, so where you're sitting and where I'm sitting has a, has a energetic coordinate, uh, a frequency. And so if you just tune into that frequency, I'd be there. Um, I don't know. I don't really understand it, but I find it really fascinating and exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, these uh, things, these things can move faster than light. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they can basically cover distance in a second, you know, that, uh, mathematical equation rate times time equals distance. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> anyway. this, was, this was from algebra and uh, which I was difficult for me actually, but you know, rate times time equals distance. So if you have one variable there, you can determine if you have two 
of the known variables, you can determine the unknown one. And the, what's interesting about this is if you collapse rate, I mean, if rate means nothing or distance, then what is time? <laughs> it becomes infinity. Mm -hmm. um, so time, I mean, it collapses. And this is what we see, I think, on the other side. Right. If you have like having an out-of-body experience, you can visit right. the future or the past. And this is what people see in near-death experiences. And this is what people see on board UFOs. They're shown the future or they're shown the past. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you ever spoken to Susie Hansen? Do you know uh, Susie? I'm, I'm going, no, I, I feel like I should. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> absolutely should. So she's a New Zealander and she's traveled, you know, around the world doing a lot of talks. Um, she wrote a book called The Jewel Soul, Soul Connection. Um, uh, yeah, I have heard of that book. About, yeah, look, she's on a slew of, um, you know, committees and stuff and uh, anyway, which I can't remember those details, but I remember her story. So as a child, she was up on ships and she has memory of this and she hasn't actually had too much regression. It's mostly um, just conscious memory. And she was, as a child, shown probable futures of Earth and then told, uh, you know, the reason that you're here on Earth is to help. Um, this particular timeline, you know, not destroy itself. So I've heard that so many times, both in yeah. and people that talk to angels and um, people that are on ships. And yeah, so yeah, it's interesting. They can. So, yeah, very common theme. Obviously, the ETs are very worried about our environment in yeah. a number of different ways. I mean, nuclear yeah. proliferation, pollution. They talk about our warlike ways and aggression. Mm -hmm. And uh, so many... Yeah, that's their number one message, I would say. Absolutely, really. So that's a question. You've answered a question before I've asked it. What would be their number one message? Clean up your acts, kids. Clean up the environment and stop fighting each other. Would you say that would be their number one message? Yeah, they do get very personal messages too. Mm -hmm. I mean, one guy, he was taken on board. These were greys again. And they showed him the woman he would become partners with. Mm -hmm. They showed him his son's best friend who was not you know anyone they knew at this time i talked to another guy he's like they showed me my house you know they showed me my wife he's a little kid he was a little kid already knows who's who he's gonna marry wow that's fascinating but i guess that um many of them are the ets themselves who have elected to incarnate into a human form which is like pretty much everyone I've spoken to, Penny Kelly, Susie Hansen, all of them, uh, to, to be part of a program that is helping humanity in so many ways, to clean up their environment, to stop, you know, clean up their consciousness, to clean up their human body, like the hybrid program. What, if, what do you know about the hybrid program? Yeah, and th I, this is a great question because people are like, oh, aliens are going to take over the earth. I'm like, well, they kind of already have. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's who we are, Yeah. Uh -huh. you know, and we're, we're trying to save the earth. And, and so the idea of, you know, hostile ETs coming down and because this is a, a worry about hybrids, apparently, or to some researchers feel like the hybrids are going to come down one day and take over. That's us. We've done it. <laughs> We're all hybrids. We're not, you know, hominids or um, ape-like creatures. We're hybrids of the, that, that body and we've, we've taken over the earth. So we've already yeah. done it, right? Yeah. I think that's what, exactly what's happening. The ETs have been kind of uh, manipulating 
our genetics for years and years, upgrading us. And I think they are upgrading us. Because mm -hmm. here's, this speaks towards UFO healings. This is just so interesting to me because mm -hmm. uh, the human lifespan has basically doubled over the past hundred years, right? right. We know this. Yeah. And uh, this guy from Florida, Jim is his name, has regular encounters with grays. He's gotten pretty used to them. One day he has an encounter. They come down. He's in Florida, Gainesville, Florida. And uh, he says, well, if you're going to take me, you know, fix my hernia. <laughs> you know, I've got this hernia here. And they said, and I'm almost directly quoting, we know of the condition you speak and we will repair it. You know, one sentence. And they did. Just go ahead and they did it real quickly. And uh, he didn't really see how they do it or he didn't describe it. But uh, he next asked them was, why are you taking me? You know, wh why are you abducting me? And they said, oh, we are interested in your genetic propensity to live a long time. And I thought that was very interesting. And so did he, because his grandfather was 106 and still oh. kicking, doing great. Right. And I have I to tell you mm -hmm. real quick, so many experiencers have told me I feel like my health, my long life is due to my encounters. Mm. I hear that many times. Absolutely. But, you know, 106 is not a long life to them. Uh, well, when you say them, we can't talk about one because there's just infinite amount of thems, aren't there? But too many of the particular ETs that are engaged in planet Earth. Do you know what, let's just talk about, and, and, and saying greys is like saying humans. I mean, how many different types of humans are there? It's the same with greys, right? But do you know how long they live? No, no, we've gotten <laughs> various indications that it's, you know, 100, 200, 300 years, mm -hmm. uh, but we don't know. I know that there are scattered encounters out there where people describe very old looking greys. <laughs> Right. Uh, sometimes, sometimes like really tall, um, but just really old looking. And I know Whitley Stryber described that as well. Did and he? I've heard that. Yeah. He's like, he asked one, he's like, and he said, yes, I am old. <laughs> I wonder uh, what old is in there and there. Yeah. I feel like they're very much like us. Uh -huh. I really do. Because, uh, you know, I'm not what I would call an experiencer. Um, well, maybe I am. Well, you're answering the question. You're reading my mind, Preston, because that's another question that I was going to line up is like, what's your experience with them? Have you had any experiences uh, that you remember? Yeah, I'm obsessed with them. That's for sure. It's in my family. I mean, yep. My sister-in-law saw Grace face to face. My other sister-in-law had a humanoid encounter at, in several during childhood. So does my nephew. Both nephews have seen UFOs. I've seen UFOs, yeah, on a number of occasions. Uh, and, you know, really close up. I mean, once I was like targeted by this little round ball and it came right in front of my car and zooped, zipped away. Another time I'm interviewing, transcribing an interview from a lady who had kicked a gray in the neck and killed it and had oh. hybrid babies and taken from child. And it was just an outrageous story. And I'm like, I'm wondering if this is true. I'm wondering, could, is, you know, I knew she was not lying, but I just couldn't quite swallow it. When I got this, really strong impulse to run under the roof of my condo. This is not something I've ever done. And I grabbed my glasses. I'm slightly nearsighted. I use them for driving, really, that's all. And uh, ran into the roof of the condo. And this light appeared, maybe 10 seconds right away. And it said, hello, it's us. You don't believe? <laughs> Watch this. 
and not in so many words, but almost. I mean, it was clear enough. It's like, it's us. We're Wendy's ETs. Watch this. You don't believe? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, well, because it was very strong. And it started zigzagging back and forth. So I, I believe, I believe. What did, so it, what did it look like? Was it metallic or a light? No, it's just this big orange fiery, well, not fiery, but orange globe, about the size of maybe five feet. It was big. Wow. It's hard to tell. It was yeah. close. Uh -huh. Like right over the, right across the parking lot over the LA River there. And I'm on the third story. It's almost at eye level. Wow. So, did you, really, okay, when it said, hello, where, where <laughs> Wendy's ETs, did you question them? Like, where do you come from? What do you look, are you physical for? Like, did you ask them any questions? No, no, I was <laughs> like, wow, you're real. Look at you. <laughs> and, it, and by that point, you know, it was a 30 second, well, maybe not quite 30 seconds, but almost long sighting, long enough. I mean, it darted back and forth 10, 20 times. Wow. It was a long time. <laughs> so how long ago did that happen to you? How many years ago? Oh, that was 20. That was a while ago. Yeah, probably even a little bit, 25 years ago. She later showed me another UFO real close up, most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Really? But uh, one time, and this is what I was leading to, because yeah. I'm wondering, I'm like, they know about me. I know they know about me. Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm really uh, writing a lot of books, and I'm interviewing people, and I'll interview them, and they'll show up the next day. <laughs> and and like, don't go on TV, they told one experiencer who I asked to go on TV. So I know they know about me. Uh-huh. And one time I'm like, who are the greats? Who are the greats? Where do these greats come from? And I'm thinking, thinking, thinking and meditating. And I wasn't sleeping. I was just sitting there. I think I was just sitting there when I got, I'm going to call it what they call a download. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause I've heard people talk about this and that's definitely what this was because I was, my eyes were closed and I saw an image of a man and the next image was another man, but he had radiation damage or genetic damage. And it went through a, like a card deck, you know, you're flipping a card deck of images of a human male turning into a gray progressively. Because mm. first you saw they lost their hair and they lost their features a little bit and the ears fell off and, and the head got bigger and their eyes slowly got, I'm like, wow, now I see what's happened. This is genetic damage. And you can see it in, you know, radiation victims. Wow. Uh, with all the hair falling off and, the features um, can be damaged as well. So I'm wondering if the greys are actually human. And this is exactly what uh, at least three or four people have told me that the greys told them. Um, we are you, you are us. You know, one day you will look just like us. Oh yeah, we look, used to look like you. That was one case. So yeah, I think they're human. And that's why they're breeding with us and the hybrids because they're trying to revitalize the race. That's Revitalize their race, help out. So, so it was radiation damage that, well, that was one form of grace, but um, wow. I've, I've heard different so stories. stories. No, what else have um, you heard? It's, it's usually a disaster of some kind. It's mm -hmm. often not described. It's the same general theme, though, that uh, they were human and had a war. In, in some of the more detailed accounts, they're like, we breeded out our emotions mm -hmm. and we changed our genetics to do space travel. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they're necessarily from Earth. Um, 
but who knows? Because people have talked about time travelers as well. And there are a few cases you can march out. We're like, oh yeah, we are you from the future. And now we're coming back to try to prevent what happened to us. Well, that's a story I've heard a lot of. I think Bashar's tribe, the Asasani or whatever they call themselves, do you know Bashar who channels um, yeah I mean Daryl Anker who channels Bashar yeah I got a reading from him once he said I was an e yeah he said I was an ET in a past life totally. <laughs> like, hey. I, I, had, I had like three channel channel sessions in a row with different channelers and they all said that uh-huh started to get worried I'm like uh-oh I must be an ET <laughs> in <laughs> did, a they, past life. did they say what what particular they're laughing they're thinking funny past life they anyway um, did they say what particular flavor? Uh, no, no, but I've had some, you know, out of body stuff, uh, a lot actually. And sometimes I'll like look in the mirror or something and I'll see like an ET face. And once it was, it looked almost reptilian. <laughs> I don't want to say that, but because the reptilians have such a bad rap, but yeah, I'll see like strange eyes. Um, sometimes so I, no, I don't know what kind. Um, I was asking my mob about you this morning before we came on and uh, they told me that you sit on the Galactic uh, Council and that you've been, your soul has been many, many different uh, flavours, many different races and uh, that's why you're so, uh, I don't know, connected, prolific in the work that you do. Um, just here to enlighten humanity about the cosmos really and that you've actually experienced much of it like you're well versed so you might think that you're this little human <laughs> but you're so much more than that Preston so that was interesting I wondered if you knew that I, I was going to ask you have you ever had any regression sessions you've had some channelings but not regression sessions no I haven't I haven't now I said I wouldn't unless I had a clear-cut case of missing time Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, you know, about that time that little ball of light came down in front of my car. I actually don't remember driving home. Right. And I feel that's just an early sighting, 1994. I was pretty new to all this. I would have turned around. I had just left my brother and sister-in-law. I just left their house. They were two minutes away. I should have turned around. I would have, but I didn't. I don't remember actually what happened. <laughs> Uh, so that's weird. And I actually forgot about it. The whole thing I forgot about until four, I mean, maybe a year later. So and, yeah, yeah, I haven't had missing time. Um, that's cool. I'm, I'm on the Galactic Council. I love that. <laughs> that, that sounds right to me. I'll take that. Because I, I feel like I, I am on a mission. Mm. I really do. I feel very strongly about this subject. I came to this world kind of knowing what I was going to do. I knew I was going to be a writer from a very early age and tell amazing stories. And I thought it was going to be science fiction. Which it is as well. You've got like 38 yeah. science fiction books, haven't you? Or uh, start stories. Short, yeah. Short stories. I haven't, I haven't written a novel, but no, I was not able to become a science fiction writer. I couldn't do it. <laughs> and UFOs fell into my lap. Only more recently, I'm like, hey, if I ever want to write science fiction, I should try. Uh, so I started having fun with it just because. But uh, yeah, really concentrated on UFOs from the beginning and have had weird dreams where I'm like with other ETs. <laughs> and uh, I feel like if I don't put, put out a book, they, they get on my case a little bit. 
I know your work is extensive, absolutely extensive. And it's so exciting really that, um, you know, for people that are just waking up to the reality of ETs, they just need to look at your body of work and it's just like, wow, how could you ever entertain the thought that there's no other life in the cosmos? I mean, when you, when you see you and all the other information that's out there and listen to people's stories, it just seems crazy to entertain the thought that we're alone. And yet the people that entertain that thought think we're the crazy ones. So who's the crazy one? Really? You know, like, wow. Yeah, we're still not quite where we need to be, are we? But we're, we're actually really close. We're getting there. When um, I was asking about you this morning, they showed me this parade of all these different types of ETs that you had um, basically been involved with. Just tall, big ones, big sort of monstery looking ones, little tiny ones, just like this parade of all these different ones. So it was really oh. fascinating, interesting um i don't you know actually i was sitting in the backyard this is just november 4th uh let's see is that where our august september 4th so two, what two weeks ago uh 10 days and uh, -huh. uh i'm meditating on all this i'm like why am i so into ufos this is driving me crazy sometimes i have to step back a little bit and then i can't i'm back in it and i'm like and uh having a lot of attention right now and so it's become a huge part of my life. And I'm like, you guys could at least show yourselves once in a while because this is ridiculous. And darned if this light did not appear. Honest to God, a big bright light, almost not quite where I was looking, just to the right. Uh -huh. And it moved across the sky, like two or three inches. And I can't say I got a distinct message, but I kind of did, <laughs> you know, like- Okay, what was the message? You did get a message. Well, not like that time, I, but, but it was just like, here you go. All right. Hi. No, here we are. Happy. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> and I'm like, no, because it disappeared. I'm like, dude, that's not enough. Come back. You know, you know why don't you show yourselves? <laughs> What's uh, going on? You know, I won't be afraid. I might be, but I, I don't think I would be. You know, honestly. Well, okay. So what they're saying about this right now is that um, we will, we will, but be patient. Really, they want you to be focused here as a human for the humans. And um, because, because their frequency or vibration or experience is more your home, if you connect to it too strongly, you might just go, oh, I just want to be back home again. And they really want you here, focused here. Is this making sense? Yeah, because uh, yeah. I, I, do, I do miss it and I, I can tune into that a little bit, mm. I think. Mm. And uh, that's cool. Yeah. 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 yeah, that gives me some inspiration because <laughs> it is hard down here on earth. Us little earthworms, you know, it's not easy. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a different vibe, you know, it's such a different feeling and a different vibe. And I've spoken to many NDEs on the show, you know, near-death experiences. And, and when we return to that, you know, realm where we, where we go when we leave our physical bodies, there's many different realms. But for the most part, wherever we go, uh, unless you create a hell experience, it is a feeling that many people say that they have never even felt on earth this feeling of elation or bliss or comfort or connection or feeling 
nurtured and one with everyone. So, you know, on earth we explore separation. So we have this fear and feeling alone and feeling depressed. And that's kind of what we're marinating in. So when you do experience, and so many NDEs that come back to earth and they come back into this vibration, they just, all they can think about is dreaming about going home again, you know, going back to that. So I guess it ain't easy being human. <laughs> but no, it's fun. No, I- I get it. After my mom died in 1984, tragically, at a you know, fairly young age, 49, oh. uh, I, I started having dreams about her. Okay. And I picked up a book on out-of-body experiences, Robert Monroe's book. He's super famous. Uh, and uh, he gave exercises on how to do it. And I did the exercises, and they worked. I started having out-of-body experiences. And I'm like, this is super exciting. I'm going to go find my mother. I'm going to go see if she's still. And I was eventually able to do it. And she took me on a tour of the heavenly realms over and over again. I got really good at it. Wow. Have you written about that? I have one book. It's my only autobiographical book. Oh, okay. What's that one book called? um, Out of Body Exploring, A Beginner's Approach. And I can't recommend, yeah, I've been to the other side and it is the best place ever, (laughs) ever. I mean, you can't even describe it. That's how nice it is. So where did she take you? What was the tour of heaven? What did you experience? Oh, it was so cool. You know, I'd call for her, I'd pop out of body. I'm like, hey, I made it halfway. Where are you? Mom, 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 mom. And it didn't work for the longest time. You know, she'd Mm -hmm. sometimes come and visit me, but one time it worked and she took me by the hand. You know, she looks 20 years old, 25. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll skip through it. It's kind of a long story, but uh, we popped through this barrier, you know, from the physical plane, I guess, to the next world. And, and suddenly it's this pastoral scene. It's really beautiful. Uh, it's just this field with a stream running through it and trees and flowers and the air is sparkling and the colors are twice as, everything's made of light. Mm-hmm. And uh, you feels so good it's like the best summer morning when you're a kid ever i mean the feeling of love that envelops you is indescribable Mm. and and we just walked flew over this field actually landed next to the river we walked in the river she she threw some seaweed at me some algae (laughs) and i'm like wow you know it's not getting you wet it doesn't get you dirty she was super uh kind of amused by my surprise Uh and uh She's like, you haven't seen anything yet. You know, let's go farther. And I'm like, wow, there's other places. I mean, this is nice. Let's. And she grabs me by the hand and we go up, 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 and then boom, we're through another barrier. And wow. this, I'm thinking, is a higher realm. I don't right. know. Or different, just different, different, different. frequency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it felt like a higher frequency for mm-hmm. sure. Because mm-hmm. we pop out in this place. It's so beautiful. It's. Oh God, how can I describe this? Um, it's this endless field of quartz crystals, kind of. Okay. Rose, rose quartz and qu- crystals as big as a house and little fine sand and super bright. And suddenly my, my vision is th- 300 degrees or you know, mm-hmm. full. I can see com- all the way around 360 degrees, I should say. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, no, I'm just a little disoriented. I'm like, mama, and, and she's like, look, look over there. And it was way off in the distance, several miles away. And suddenly my vision zooms. You have zoom vision. <laughs> and I could see in detail and any distance. And uh, she's like, watch this. And she points to the ground and she turns it orange. I'm like, 
wow, it's this bright, bright orange. And she told, tells me to eat it. <laughs> I'm like, you want me to eat it? All right. I scoop it up and I put it in my mouth. And it tasted like orange soup, but more orange than I think I've ever had. And Pop Rocks candies. I don't know if you've heard yeah. of Pop Rock candies. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, was, it goes on. But she took me back. And we sat down on this bench. And we were in the heavenly realms. I'm like, I want to stay here. And she's like, well, you know, you can't. And this is all very telepathic very impression uh, um, no actual speaking yeah 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 she's like it's time for you to go i love you i love you i love you and i'm like ah and i got this tunnel appeared and i got pulled down it and oh wow several levels and i had and i'd stop and i'd i'd create a dream diary and i'd write it down in the dream it's a dream dream diary uh -huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I had to, I had to go down a couple of levels, and I finally woke up. I'm like, am I even awake? Oh my god! Yep. Oh. Yep. You, you talked about watching my shows with Penny, or one show with Penny. She she talks about exactly that experience of being in different levels on the other side, and then waking up in her bed and thinking that she's back on this level, on this physical level, and then and then waking up from that level and waking up, and then until she's a bit like that Inception movie, you know, all those different levels. Yeah, I and, love that. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. And then waking up and like, okay, am I back in physical 3D reality yet? You know, just kind of being a little bit confused that, you know, there are all these different levels of experience and realities. And yeah. Yeah, this is levels. all connected to the UFO stuff too. A lot Absolutely. of How does it dovetail? How do you think it dovetails? Well, for me, it dovetailed exactly. <laughs> At the same time, this all happened to me. And, uh, I started to see it in other people, people mm -hmm. particularly who have onboard encounters or repeated visitations, or for that matter, even a sighting, uh, start having astral travel experiences, out-of-body experiences. It's really strange. There's definitely a connection there. I think what's happening is it's going on board a UFO or being, being in its presence is like having a near-death experience. It's like having an out-of-body experience. You are on board a UFO, you're almost in another dimension. You're, I think you're vibrating in a higher frequency in your, yeah. in your, in your own little t time machine. Yeah, uh, which, which is, is why we can't see them here because it, there's, they're a different bandwidth. They're on another radio station. And so we're, we're vibing at this radio station, demanding that other radio station be in front of us. And they're kind of like, well, we can pop in, but we can't. You know, like you have to shift your vibe for us to acclimate to it. Like, yeah, so. I know a case involving four teenagers. I didn't get to interview them. I'm so mad because only one of them could see the UFO. Right. They were all there and they're all looking and walking back and forth. He's like freaking out. It's right there. And uh, that, yeah, well, I learned that they can show themselves to any single person that they want and not anyone else if they don't want them to see them. Which is amazing how they have that amount of control. Is that the right, the mastery, dominion over frequency? The fact that they can wipe out our memory, um, put us to sleep. I mean, that's a lot of power. You know, that's a lot of power over us, us puny humans, that they can do that. Uh, they have to be, uh, you know, b benevolent because with that amount of power, that, you know, we're puppets to them. We're their puppets, aren't we, really? Right. And I'm, I'm worried because there are a sizable amount of people who are pretty much convinced this is a demonic phenomenon. Mm -hmm. 
And I have to tell you, I studied demonology because of this. And I don't even really? like to talk about it. Yeah, because it's you know, grim, dark hauntings. And love and possession is a real thing. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's not what's going on here <laughs> uh, by any means. Uh, and I, I'm worried about people who think, oh, you know, lump all this phenomena into sort of the Jacques Vallée, Jerome Coleman camp of this is a mysterious intelligence that's interdimensional and, and is, uh, I guess, controlling the beliefs of humans. I'm like, well, no, I don't think so. Perhaps some, you know, because some cases do get very strange. But that's a very anthropocentric theory. And those usually turn out to be false. You know, as we learn more, the idea of extraterrestrials is so completely logical. It makes so much sense on so many levels. Oh, absolutely. That's what Mary and I were saying. Mary was in Sydney not long ago and uh, last year, I think it was. And um, I had a session in my house with her and I was driving her back to her son's house. We were saying exactly, it's so logical. It's so lo- Anyway, go, go on, please go on. Yeah, I mean, I'm convinced we are dealing with extraterrestrials in the classic sense. Beings from other planets, very much like us. And if it's true, we have the bodies and the craft. I mean, then we know for sure that at least some of these are what we think they are. So calling it a mystery is a little bit unfair at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there are interdimensional aspects to this because we're interdimensional. All right. beings, everything right. is interdimensional. And uh, time travel doesn't preclude them being extraterrestrial either. I'm not going to lump them all as extraterrestrials because I doubt they are. <laughs> I'm sure there are angels. You know, I'm sure there are dark spirits. Um, the literature on that is very compelling, the evidence uh-huh. of interdimensional beings of all kinds. I think by and large, ETs are benevolent because like you said, if they wanted to, we would be, you know, they're at their mercy. Right. And we're not seeing that. Right. Um, but I have to tell you, I do get people who have very negative encounters. Not a lot, but it happens. The do you health think- is damaged. The health gets damaged. Do you think the negative encounter is the negative ETs or do you think the negative encounter is the human fear and they've experienced, like one of the ladies I had on the show that I can't remember her name, it'll come to me in a minute, said that she was experiencing so much fear when she was getting taken and then she wrote a book called From Fear to Love and then she realised that it wasn't a negative encounter, it was just her fear. And when she started seeing these people as... um, you know, more benevolent than malevolent. Uh, she had a completely different experience and then she realized that they were really loving. So what's your idea on that? Yeah, I see that quite a bit as well. But? Um, I, I, I do. Yeah. And I see people who have the identical experience, essentially, in its details and have completely different reactions. One's like, oh, you know, I'm fine with it. And the other was like, oh, no, it was terrible. Uh, and I always ask people, like, what do you think? You know, are these evil? Are they here to take over and almost nobody says so mm-hmm. i don't see sadism you know i don't see torture i don't see anything like that which we do yeah but, but like there are do. cases like down in gosh where uh, brazil had some harrowing accounts of people being struck by beams of light and suffering pretty severe radiation sickness okay and uh like one case which occurred in kentucky sandra larson elaine Louise Smith and Elaine Thomas uh, in the 70s had a very harrowing encounter in which they had missing time. Their car was sucked up into the sky. It was terrifying. They were screaming. They were set back down. 
they all had burns and nausea, weight loss, some hair loss. And under hypnosis, they recalled a very harrowing examination. One of them had her eyeball pulled out and put back in. Another was bending their limbs. And none of them enjoyed it. It wasn't anything fun or nice, you know? So there is an aspect of, you know, there people being kidnapped and people being physically examined in ways that is pretty traumatizing. Yeah. That's hard for me to say this is okay because yeah. I'm not going to. I'm, it's not okay. You're not allowed to do that. You cannot kidnap people without express conscious permission. I mean, maybe they did made a, a deal in the past, you know, before they were born. Heard that a number of times. Yes, yeah, soul contract or right. soul agreement. Yeah. So, yeah, because in the beginning, I'm like, this is so, this is terrible. This is a terrible phenomenon. And I am very angry. Yeah. And I've come around and I see it's not, it's not. People are physically examined, but ETs are not trying to hurt people. Yeah. They're not trying to scare people. Um, you know, I was watching um, on YouTube yesterday or well, someday um, a giraffe in Africa that had this rusty old band around its um, foot, its ankle. And there were these people, you know, chasing it and catching it and tying it down and holding it down. And this thing was kicking and, and then they had to get a chainsaw thing to saw this. And really what they were doing was they were doing it for the animals. Good, but the animal was terrified. And as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, this is what happens with ET stuff, right? I mean, it's a terrifying experience, but it's because the animal is terrified. It's like the human is terrified, but really, um, it might seem like a rough thing to do. Like they're literally holding this thing down. They've got it tied up and roped up and the poor animals freaking out. It's a bit like ET encounters too. What do yeah. you think about that? Yeah, I agree. And I think in some cases what we're dealing with are not tourist ETs by any means. These are, <laughs> these are soldiers. These are doctors who have an, an emergency mission. Their race is dying. Mm -hmm. And they don't have a lot of time. They don't understand emotions either. Right. Like, there's this one case, which I love from Constance Clear. She's a researcher from the Midwest who interviewed a man by the name of Andrew, who was having you know, harrowing encounters where he's being physically examined, all recalled under hypnosis. Uh -huh. Until one day he you know, has a session and recalls this incredible encounter where the great ET, her name is N Nelda, I think, uh, said, we're done with you. You know, thank you for cooperating with us. We've gotten what we need. Aren't you happy? And he said, no, I'm not happy. I'm mad as hell. And she said, what's mad? What's hell? Right. And so he just, he told her and she says, well, yeah, we have a lot of problems with human emotions and we're, we're doing the best we can, but you would do what we do if you were in our situation. Exactly. And another thing she said, which was so interesting to me, <laughs> She said, you know, I am the highest ranking. I am the district commander. I'm the one who's in charge of the ship. I'm the highest ranking female on the ship. And I, when I read that, I thought, highest ranking female, and she's pr you know, proud of it. But wow, you know, there's sexual discrimination among greys. <laughs> what I'm thinking. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah. You'd think, well, that, you'd think right? that as we evolved, we would have gotten over the whole sexual discrimination thing. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. But it kind of gave them a sort of human angle to me and mm -hmm. reminds me that we are dealing with people. Mm -hmm. you know, 
that's I think the best way to describe ETs, whether you're talking about praying mantis or greys of a huge, it's a huge umbrella when you say mm -hmm. greys. Uh, there's different kinds, obviously. Yeah. Um, but the human looking ones, I mean, if they looked like us, what does that say about who we are? You know, I wanted to ask you a question. I had Sue Walker on the show and in the Inner Sanctum. Do you know Sue Walker? She talks to a specific flavor of ETs that call themselves the Ponte. They come from Pontel. So they're gray looking ETs. They have a base in the Sandia Mountain in New Mexico, under the Sandia Mountain. And she communicates telepathically with them. And like your sister-in-law, she draws them. <clears throat> have you seen her work? Um, no. Sue and Otter. Oh, show it to her. Anyway, so we were talking about um, that, you know, what she experiences from them and all that they've taught her. And she said that 50 years ago, next year, August next year, there was a treaty put in place with them. I don't know about all the rest of them that said that ETs were not allowed to be photographed until, and this treaty finishes or um, agreement finishes in August 2021. And I'm wondering with all your research and over the years, have you seen less in the last 50 years, like photographs of ETs than in the research that you've done before? Like, is that something that you've noticed? Um, photographs of actual ETs or UFOs? Oh, both um, really, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I know about this treaty. I mean, this is something John Lear talked about okay. as well. And uh, others where we exchanged technology with the greys and the deal with on the greys part was that they're not allowed to pu publicly reveal themselves. Right. So I think that kind of ties in. Okay. And there's a case in Japan where the ETs told this guy, I was so interested when I heard this case, it was very vividly detailed. And the ETs told him that that is true, <laughs> that there is a deal and we are not allowed to reveal ourselves. Uh, Until when? Next year? Like August they, next year? Hey, that sounds good to me. It feels like it's coming. <laughs> uh, certainly we get that message from a number of uh, onboard experiencers that there will come a time of open official contact. Yeah. And I do feel like they're doing that because uh, there's this publicity campaign that's been going on for 70 years now, um, since about 1950, where they reveal themselves yeah. And waves of sightings. Yeah. And, and uh, I just find that when I watch like your work and other researchers work, a lot of the photographs and, and stuff with ETs is like in the forties and the fifties. It's like prior to this 50 year agreement where there is actual photographic evidence of um, uh, bodies and stuff like this and, or ETs. Yeah. I do love the older photographs. And, you do. And, the new photographs these days are just so hard to trust. Do you think? Because um, they're like Photoshop or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we know a lot of them are. It is just rife. I mean, the internet is filled with it to the point where I won't comment on UFO photographs unless I can talk to the actual witness who is willing to stand behind what they took. Right. I, I, well, like one guy I interviewed, he's in my latest book, On Board UFO Encounters. He's managed to photograph them fairly recently. Really? Um, and it looks like a, just it's kind of a little disc, you know, it's not enough to convince any skeptic, but if you talk to the guy, um, you can see he's obviously sincere. Um, so he's Joe, photographed the craft or the ETs themselves? No, just the craft. Just the um, craft right. But there are, you know, I think this, you know, Stan Romanek case, despite its controversy, mm -hmm. 
Um, there's a selfie taken by an ET, which I find very interesting. <laughs> I haven't um, seen that. I've seen the little grey at the window when he's videoing um, and he runs away from the vi win window and then a little grey pops up in the window and looks in and looks down yeah. again. Um, my, my favorite ET photographs of all time are probably Jeff Greenhaw. He's a police officer yeah. from Falkville, Alabama, who was called out to, a, I believe it was a UFO sighting, and saw this seven-foot-tall silver tinfoil humanoid on the road in front of him and snapped four photos. They're all over oh. the Internet. Oh, I haven't seen that. And, uh, and uh, they've never been debunked. Mm -hmm. Poor guy was lost his job over this. His house burnt down. His wife left him. He was chased out of town. Really? Why? Because yeah. he said it was real and people said, you're crazy. Uh, I, I don't know the exact details behind it, but it was clearly because, you know, backlash in these photos, which he, you know, refused to back down from. Right. You know, you said before that um, uh, we were talking about how they have the ability to control our minds and that you don't see that happening. But there is mind control happening on this planet, but it's not from the ETs. It's from, it's from others, like it's from the humans. It, it, and... Uh, just what you said that all these awful things happened to him because he said something was real. That's a form of mind control. You know, that, that yeah. you come out and say, I spoke to an ET and then everybody says you're crazy. Well, the people that are saying that they're under this mind control. It's absolutely a concerted campaign. And they spent a lot of our tax dollars doing it right. to make UFO witnesses look like liars and fools and drug addicts and stupid. And it's, they're, it's uh, huh, so angry. It's really disingenuous because they know full well this is a real phenomenon. And uh, that's just a, the wrong thing to do on so many levels. They really badly bungled this, our military and governments around the world. And they're paying the price for it now. Mm -hmm. That's why your work is so important, Preston. You know, and that's why you're so obsessed with it i suppose like because it's yeah. important it's important what you're really what, we could be living in a much nicer world you know absolutely. we don't need fossil fuels we, absolutely we really don't i think i've been yakking to you for about an hour and i still feel like i'm right at the beginning uh, i've been looking at myself and my jaw is sort of like open when you talk it's just I'm like <laughs> <laughs> um i wanted to get into the healing the et healing i mean you can see all the et healings on your youtube channel that you talk about them but what are the ones that have really blown you away with the et healings and uh, that you've researched yeah well i have to tell you every time i hear one it blows me away okay <laughs> well, i've kind of gotten used to it initially i thought it was rare i've kind of reversed my opinions mm -hmm. or at least changed them i'm not sure it's quite 50% of all cases, because this is what the free organization found. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I looked through their data, and I'm going to say it's probably closer to 20%, but it's definitely a consistent uh, feature of you know, close encounters. And the first one that, actually, I knew about a bunch of cases, you know, and I was going to write an article, because <laughs> there was this really cool case where these police officers were driving down the road in Damon, Texas, and this UFO shines a beam of light on their car. And one of them had just been bit by his son's baby pet alligator on his finger. <laughs> pet alligator, right? <laughs> right, so, and it's, his arm is hanging out the window. The beam of light strikes him, he can feel it. And uh, you know, they race away, they're pretty scared. And he pull, his finger isn't bothering him and it was really painful. So he pulls it off and the cut's gone. It's wow. cured instantly. 
And I thought, wow, that's the best. That's so cool. I mean, this is a police officer. Uh, you know, we've got photographs of them. We've got their eyewitness testimony. He was the boss of like 40 people. This case was investigated by Major Leach from the nearby Air Force Base. It's an incontrovertible case. Wow. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to write an article about this because I knew about a case in France. Same thing. A guy was cured of an axe wound on his foot and paralysis. And I knew about a case in Peru where a customs official was out on his veranda and hit by a purple beam of light and cured of nearsightedness and rheumatism. His wow. rheumatism cleared up, which is chronic, or it was in his case. And uh, so I'm like, wow, this is really cool. ETs are healing people. And I think actually what got me to write the article was like I was interviewing that same lady who I mentioned earlier who made me run out on my balcony and I saw a UFO. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wendy. Wendy, yeah. Who had reached out and kicked an ET. Well, she was diagnosed with a cyst in her fallopian tube. And her, she and her boyfriend were very upset. It was causing her pain and all kinds of problems. And went and had an MRI, and there it was. And they're like, well, this needs to come out. And she scheduled surgery. And it was shortly before surgery. I think it was the day before, actually. I have to look that up. But this is... I see this somewhat, it's what I call the last minute phenomena. <laughs> These guys wasted the last minute. People literally on the way to the hospital or even in the hospital are sometimes healed. But she had hers the night before and she doesn't really remember much except that they came, goes to the doctor and they do the pre-op uh, x-rays and stuff. And they're like, well, this is strange. We can't find your cyst. And she's like, really? And they're like, yeah. And it's really strange because here there's this fluid here in your fallopian tube, which shouldn't be present unless you've had surgery. So you've had surgery, haven't you? And she says, no. <laughs> and they became upset and they're like, well, we know you did. We know you did because here the, the tumor's gone and here's this fluid and, and they're inspecting her and they're like finding laser scars on her abdomen. And oh, they're wow. like, what's this? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and, she, and, she, and she just played dumb. So she knew what's her she did know so what's her full story tell us her full story what happened with her wendy yeah she actually lives in australia now okay um, i miss her terribly she became a very good friend i met okay. her at a i met her at a crystal skull um meeting to see max <laughs> the crystal skull <laughs> is, is max the crystal skull is wendy her real name no okay no. okay a, She's always, you know, she's always been very private. I got mm -hmm. her on the radio once. Mm -hmm. um, so, and she sat next to me and I could feel in her aura that this was a special lady just because I, you know, so I'm, I'm more sensitive to energies now from out-of-body experiences is the honest answer. Yeah, you are. You're totally um, psychic reading my mind, but go on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she, I'm like, wow. And then we just, we're just talking and um, she's like, yeah, I've had UFO experiences. I'm like, I kind of thought so. Would you mind being interviewed? And she's like, sure. And she doesn't really remember a whole lot of childhood encounters because she had a very rough, abusive childhood mm -hmm. and doesn't remember childhood, a lot of it. She's completely blocked out. Mm -hmm. uh, but as a, a young adult, saw Billy Myers' UFOs on TV and just had this feeling that this was going to happen to her and started having a lot of UFO sightings, uh, lived in Georgia and had a head on collision and uh, woke up outside the car. She was very badly damaged. It was three months of recovery, but her face wasn't scratched at all. 
that was weird. Something weird happened, but she didn't quite know. And uh, later, wherever she moved, UFOs would appear. All her friends were seeing UFOs. Started having visitations by greys. It was very scary. She'd put up tacks on the floor and glasses and <laughs> try to lock the door and video cameras and anything she can do to stop these guys. Dishes, nothing worked. Um, she, re like she reached out once and kicked one in the neck. She was fighting them the whole way and uh, they couldn't understand it. And uh, she ended up being, waking up once and she's floating 300 feet above her house. There's a UFO another 300 feet up <laughs> and she, the greys are surrounding her. And she's like, floating. oh, floating. Yeah. Floating. She's like, oh my, she's like, yeah, she's like, oh my God, put me back, put me back right now. You have no right to do this. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> And so this is kind of how it all evolved. And she ended up having full on, con probably the most extensive contact case of just about anyone I've interviewed. Really? Um, hybrid babies, many of them. Said she saw me on board the UFO. I'm like, hey. Um, there you go. <laughs> I don't remember that. Uh, but yeah. uh, so she could do channeling. Um, so, and I had a bunch of really amazing experiences with her. I mean, just <laughs> one after another. Tell us about one. So she hasn't written any of this down? No, no. Okay. I'm still in contact with her. Well, something and, she can do. <laughs> and and uh, we almost did write a book at one point. I did a bunch of interviews, but the timing wasn't right. And I've always been very sensitive to that. Uh -huh. And, uh, she, you know, she's a very interesting person. She, I mean, she would call dolphins. I saw her do that. Uh -huh. um, one time she's like, can I give you a energy? Um, I forget what she called it. An energy cleansing or something. Yeah. Uh -huh. I'm like, sure, of course. She's like, you might end up channeling. I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> you know, if I channel, that's fine. No, I don't have a problem with that. And uh, she did her thing and she's doing like Reiki type, type movements. And then she takes my feet and grabs them, starts pulsing energy through them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I could feel it like nobody's business. It was like an electric shock and like water running up you. And you're like, I'm like, wow, I can feel that. And she did it a bunch. And uh, one time we're like, I want to see a UFO. And this was just after that one appeared. Uh -huh. She's like, all right, I'll talk to them and we'll see. And she comes back, calls me back. She's like, yeah, they set up a time. Let's go off the freeway here and they'll be there. I'm like, all right, sure. You know, wink, wink. I don't believe this for a second because I've done this with other people and mm -hmm. it hasn't worked out. Mm -hmm. And so I went there with my sister-in-law and her son, my nephew and Wendy. And it's right off the freeway. This is like the 210 freeway in Pasadena at near La Tuna Canyon. It's kind of a rural area. It was actually, it is a rural area. And uh, there's this hill and we're going up this fire break up this big hill, well, a moderate hill. And she and I got ahead of, of my sister, Christy and my nephew. And we were about 300 yards ahead. So they were out of view when we reached the top of the hill and she grabs my arm and spins me around like, look, look. <laughs> and it was like across the street. This thing was, you know, what's across the street, 50 feet. Mm -hmm. And it was the size of a house and it was a perfect sphere covered with golden light, scintillating golden lights. A bit like that one. It, well, it wasn't metallic. It wasn't. No. It oh. was I mean, it might have been, but it was so covered in these golden lights uh -huh. that were so scintillatingly beautiful that uh, it was breathtaking. I mean, it was really was. And uh, it's just stood there. And, 
and I got no real messages other than the majesty of it, the magnificent. Right. It was, I just, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Wow. We're, we're jumping up and down and we're screaming. <laughs> what, and what did your little nephew say? Was he excited? He didn't see it. They <laughs> did not know. He did not see it. It was just for her and me. And your sister-in-law didn't see it either. Oh, it was wow. so distressing because I, that would have been awesome, but they just missed it for whatever reason. Oh, um, right. I think the ETs really wanted to show themselves to me to prove her case because it was important for some reason. So it sounds like she, it sounds like the beginning of her story, she was a bit in the dark about who she was, who she is and why it was happening. And then she began to understand that it's all a part of her soul agreement. Um, Cause yeah. you said that she was really resistant and then fighting and putting glass out and everything. What was the transition from her, accept you know like did she have regression sessions how did she start accepting it what happened yeah she she did she had regression sessions someone broke into her house stole her hypnosis tapes that was weird um that's right? weird <laughs> that's weird that's really weird possibly government we don't know oh right um, okay she did have a regression session where she was in that car accident in georgia and the ets appeared and pulled her out of the wreck and said, you weren't supposed to die in this accident. This accident had to happen, right. but you, you weren't supposed to die. You, your brainstem was severed, but don't worry, we'll fix it. Oh, <laughs> so that was the healing, right. They and so they healed, yeah, they fixed it. So right. it took a while, they used lights and sound and, and uh, healed her face up and put her back on the scene of the accident. So that was like time travel or stopping time or extending time. Right. So that was part of it. You know, she started to realize that they weren't here to hurt her. And she, she became profound. And this lady was psychic and, yeah. and did healings on people and uh -huh. uh, actually find missing people for the police at one point, uh, which other experiencers have told me the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, I just found out that one of the lady I interviewed in my book, she's like, oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm like, well, you could have told me that. <gasps> Um, yeah, that Sue, Sue is the same that I, saw, that I told you about that speaks to the Ponte. She worked as this amazing psychic working for the CIA and the police. And, you know, before she met the Ponte, she was just anyway. But yeah, go on with Wendy. Wendy's fascinating. Yeah. Wendy's. Just, uh, isn't she amazing? Mm. And uh, I mean, I just had so many fun experiences. She could manifest things. She taught me how to manifest. She bought a, she got a boat. I'm like, uh -huh. she's like, I just kind of fell into her lap because she wanted one. Yep. Look, now all I need is a boat slip. Let's go down and get one. I'm like, in Santa Monica, or, no, you're not going to. She found one. <laughs> she got one. <laughs> she has a way of charming people and just manifesting stuff. I went to the restaurant with her once. She's like, I should tell you. I should warn you. I don't know why this happens. I don't mean this to happen. But I, someone always spills their food on me, and I get my food for free. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, come on. She's like, all right. And sure enough. The waitress flips the plate and it gets all over her. I get a little spot of ketchup on me. <laughs> and, I, and she watched and trip him. You know, it wasn't like she just... She, um, <laughs> That's hilarious. That is and, I, and it didn't happen every time because I went out to eat with her quite a bit. Right. You know, we got to be really good friends. But mm -hmm. it, it was so hilarious because she, she called it and then it happened. <laughs> 
and super sensitive. Once we're at a, a restaurant, we're at the bar and she's sitting on the bar and I'm like standing behind her and just for no reason, I just reached out and massaged her sh shoulders. And uh, I'm like, I'm gonna send her healing energy. That's what I'm gonna do. And I, and I which I don't know how to do. You know, I don't, I'm not a healer. Um, officially and uh, <laughs> so i do i i visualize white light and i send it into her and she she screams she lets out this really loud yell and leaps from the bar stool and whirls around at me really angrily puts her hands on her hips and says if you're gonna send me healing energy you have to tell me yeah. <laughs> like you felt that and she's like are you kidding you sent that right through me <laughs> i'm like oh wow that's amazing that you felt that so, so you were amazed that you could do it, right? Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. And I did, and I did some tests on it, you know, by the way. Mm. Out of body, sometimes I'd be called to do a healing. And I thought, ooh, this is weird. All mm -hmm. right. And one day we were at a party at my house. And we've got a huge family. I've got, you know, five brothers and sisters. Wow. Mm. And uh, we always have these weekend meals. And there'd be 20 people there. It was the best thing ever. We did it for like 20, 30 years. And my dad brings out this battery tester. It has two separate leads. He says, did you know your hands give off voltage? I'm like, I've heard that. And he's like, yes. And he tested someone. And it went out, this little needle went up. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. This is science, you know, which I love. Yeah. So I grabbed it out of his hands. I'm like, I'm going to test everybody. <laughs> and I tested everybody. I'm like, wow, this is to see if anyone had more voltage, right? And no, everyone's voltage was the same. Right. And I tested my sister. And hers was a little bit higher than everyone. Just a little, my, she's like born a year before me. We were like almost twins. Right. I'm like, wow, Victoria, look, you're, you're a little bit higher than everyone else. And she's like, well, let me test you. I'm like, okay. And this darn needle went twice as far as everyone else. Oh, wow. And they're like, your hands are sweaty. I'm like, maybe you're right. And so I washed him and I dried him up and let's do it again. Nope. So I had the highest reading of anyone. <laughs> did, you, did you test it like, like just at resting and then deliberately seeing the energy moving and then changing the volume on the energy? Like, did you do any of those? That, like, Gosh, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> now I'm giving you an idea. <laughs> but I, I definitely want to get one of those again because uh, that was just fascinating to me. Well, it'd be interesting to see, you know, see the scale of like when you're deliberately doing it and then, you know, what that feels like and what the volume is. And so then you've got an idea of, of what it feels like when you're doing it. And, and you can sort of gauge the amount that you're sort of channeling yeah. through. Mm. I had to look into healing, you know, because this is something that keeps turning up in onboard UFO accounts. People mm -hmm. are not only healed physically, they are taught how to heal. Right. Over and over. That's the most number one spiritual transformation. There's a, right. a wide variety of spiritual transformation people go through as a result of an onboard experience. And healing is at the top, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, when I spoke to Michael on the show, I asked him the question, uh, why do you think, Michael, the ETs healed you and they don't heal everyone? And so one of the comments on YouTube said, thank you so much for asking that question because that is something that I wonder, you know, why are there so many sick people in the world that don't get healed? And then some people do. What, what's your perspective on that, Preston? Um, well, I'm curious what Michael said, certainly, <laughs> uh, because what I think is 
uh, it's evenly divided between men and women, certainly. It's all over the world. It's not your age. It's not your religion. I don't think it's blood type. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what I did find was a lot of the people who are having healings do have a long history of encounters. That's mm -hmm. some, often intergenerational. Mm -hmm. So if you're a contactee, your chances are far greater, maybe 50% of the cases. But I'm searching for patterns, and finally I found it. It was your profession, your job. And that really surprised me. And uh, I first kind of ran into that when I heard about the John Hunter Gray case. Um, John Hunter Bear, his name was John Salter. He was a Native American who fought against uh, racism and for you know, human rights, award-winning. And he had this really incredible encounter in which he was healed. And uh, I started seeing a lot of social workers, doc doctors and teachers and artists and writers and entertainers and people who are doing good work, inventors, people who do good work for humanity in some capacity, police officers. Okay. Yeah. And one lady, I interviewed her and she's like, healed by grays. I'm like, have you any history of this? I'm like, she says, no, I've never. She had this really bad back after an injury. It was chronic. Grays came in, flipped around like a rag doll, healed her and walked out. She said it was actually kind of scary because they didn't answer her questions and they just did it real quick. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what do you do for a living? She's like, well, I was originally an art, art director, or did, worked in art. I'm like, oh, well, that kind of makes sense. She says, but my passion is human rights and animal rights. Right. There it is. There it is. There it is. And well, I'll tell you what Michael again. said. He said something similar. He said, well, it just depends on people's, you know, I don't think he used these words, but sacred contract, I suppose. It just depends on people's soul, what their soul has sort of, you know, set up and everyone's different and blah, blah, blah. He didn't really go into it too much, but um, he, you know, he, he did say that had he not had that healing, he wouldn't really have had evidence of his contact, like evidence that he could show. And so all his family and his doctor knew that he had this big blood clot on his leg. And then one minute it's there and he needs to have a, an operation and the next minute it's not. So there was absolute evidence of what he was talking about. So for him, very much it was evidence, both for him and for his family and the people he was speaking to. Uh, and also, um, just like you said, I asked too, I asked my mob that question, like why? And they said, <clears throat> well, basically they, especially the people that have the agreements with them, the specific flavor or race of beings, that they want them to fulfill their life contract and the good work that they're doing here on the planet basically and so they help them with their healing so that they can fulfill because you know we come down into this dense world and we we worry and we stress and we eat the wrong foods and we're bombarded with environmental pollutants and so <laughs> it's easy to get sick and uh, so they just help us along uh, for the people that are um, a part of this world that are uplifting the world really so yeah, yeah. And i have to tell you i think most people who are healed don't even know it <laughs> i really really yeah i mean I, I documented 300 cases and most people don't talk so you can times that by a, a hundred easily right um, mm. and i think it's a lot more than that oh yeah absolutely absolutely i was doing a little bit of yoga this morning before we came online and <laughs> actually even before i got on the mat um i had this chinese master show up 
and he was beautiful. He had all these elaborate robes on. Oh, he was beautiful. Anyway, I saw, I was on the mat and he was totally teaching me about healing. And I thought, why are you doing this just before I'm about to go off with Preston? And he goes, healing is so simple. He was just teaching me how simple it is. He said, everything is just energy. Everything is just frequency. And um, disease is just when energy gets stagnant. And it's just, he was just giving me this whole thing. And I just saw, I could go, it would take me hours to explain it because he gave it to me in a download, like, you know, and it just sort of like is all this information in one second. And it just, the whole thing just opened up to me and it just seemed so incredibly simple so simple so easy and simple and i'm thinking this is what the ets know even though this guy didn't appear to me as an et it appeared to me as a chinese master with all these flowing robes but um yeah i think that humanity oh look this is what we're going through on our planet preston you know we're going through this whole disease thing and everyone's scared and if we understand how simple healing is, we can't go through what we're going through right now. We can't be controlled through fear, through fear of getting sick. You know, we're under this huge control drama at the moment with the fear of getting sick and the fear of dying. It, it must be an important thing that humans need to learn. Yeah. Boy, all those drug commercials on TV with all those horrible side effects. Right. <laughs> That's part of all of this. And our drug companies are on my naughty list. And yeah, we're, we're dealing with some people who are, don't have our best interests in mind. Yeah, there's that, yeah. There's yeah. greed and there's money. There's some, there are low energies. Mm -hmm. that, uh, but ultimately, I think this is good news because a lot of people were at the point where like, this can't go on. I cannot live like this. And uh, right. when there's an illness, it's always a balancing, you yeah. know, because something's out of balance. Yeah. So this is a... And what happens is it's amazing. Um, people suddenly are very close to their families now. That's a really cool side effect of all yeah. this. Or the pollution that's dropped by what, a third? Yeah. And all yeah. these wonderful, and the exposure of corruption. And, like, yeah. and we're like ready now. Now we're ready to heal. Yep. Where it's extraordinary. I was walking down a, a road up the street, up the road from me, um, busy street with lots of shops. And there was a couple of uh, my favorite vegan, you know, food shops that were there. And I thought, Ooh, I'll go and get a tofu pocket from Iku and it's closed down. And then the vegan Indian place, it closed down. And then I'm like, kind of sad for me, you know, in my personal, Oh, poor me. I can't get my favorite food. And then I looked down the street and I realized that over half the street, the shops were shut. You know, they're finished, gone, out of there. They just collapsed. And I came home and I started thinking about it. And I thought, as sad as it is that I can't go and get my favorite vegan food, um, we, you know, the shops, we were so focused on stuff, um, yeah. on stuff. And the fact that so many shops have closed, so many businesses have closed, maybe that's a good thing, you know, and, and we can put our energy and focus on other things like healing instead of selling clothes or homewares as much as i love clothes and homewares um maybe we could just put more focus on healing and energy work and consciousness instead of all the stuff that you know look at the shopping malls or just stuff so much stuff mm -hmm. in the world <laughs> so maybe that's a good thing 
um, we've got yeah, enough stuff. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, he, my dad, at one point he reached in and she said, "Stop giving me stuff." Stop <laughs> giving me stuff. <laughs> he gave away all his presents. And was, was like, "Hey, I gave this to you." He's like, "I don't want any stuff." Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I totally get it now because <laughs> you start to, you start to, you know, accumulate. I know you drown in your stuff. <laughs> oh, I've got so many other things I could ask you, but let me just get back to Wendy for a sec. Why did she move to Australia? Uh, she. Why did she move to Australia? I believe it was love. <laughs> oh, she fell in love with someone? Cool. And she fell in love with a sheep farmer and uh -huh. four kids. And he ended up leaving her and she raised the kids herself. Oh, no, really? Yeah. And they're adorable. So she, she moved, obviously, a long time ago to Australia. Yeah, it was a good... 20 years maybe well darling one we just have to get you down under when we're all allowed to fly you'll have to come and visit wendy and maybe do some lectures down under would you like yeah, to do I've that always, oh I, yeah i've always loved australia i studied it when i was a little boy the aborigines and everything yeah i i would love that i think it, it will happen i, I feel it I'm yeah feeling it. <laughs> you're feeling it um i'm gonna have a guy on the show called Stephen. i don't know i can't remember his last name who talks with the indigenous elders and i was listening to him talk the other day uh, he's going to talk about this palladian box that's supposed to open uh, on the 21st of december in uluru it's a crystal box that uh, is going to change the, the 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 resonance of this world the human resonance it's going to shift the resonance of this world anyway i'm going to talk to him about that um, wow. But he I keep was doing things like that. Yeah. Yeah. He was saying that he doesn't call the Aboriginals Aboriginals. This is what fascinated me. He said, because when you put ab in front of something like abnormal, it means that you're not normal. And he calls them the originals because ab original he calls them the original people instead of the aboriginal people and i just scratched my head the other day and thought oh wow i had never thought about that before like we call them aboriginals which is supposed to say the original people of the land so yeah so anyway so i'm going to now start calling them the original people <laughs> instead of the aboriginal people yeah which they are aren't, i mean yeah they're, they're, they're the, the longest people totally connected civilization connected yep mm -hmm. yeah yeah. absolutely oh dying one it's been just a joy anything else you want to tell us before we go there's just so much there's so much so many stories in you um just that uh ufos are a very important subject they're obviously real if you don't think so you haven't done your homework and uh i i think we're going to be seeing disclosure ramp up i really do um, I, and i think we're moving towards open official contact yeah and I think we're going to have a very different world. And I'm super excited about the possibility we do move into, quote, the fifth dimension or a higher frequency or something that becomes fundamentally different in the way we perceive things. Because this is a theme that turns up quite a bit. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, I think, uh, I you think know, we're going to end for good times. I really we're do. For good times, good times to come. I had uh, Kevin Briggs on the show a few times, who is an experiencer, a lifelong experiencer. He speaks to a group of eight who are on a specific council, galactic council. One's a grey, one's a mantid, one's a sort of avian looking type. One's a tall white. Anyway, I can't remember. They're all different flavors. And he's been, he's had contact since he was a kid. And they're asking him to be a part of the disclosure. And he set a date for the first of Feb this year that they were supposed to disclose himself. Went to Washington because it was supposed to be a meeting between the UN. 
it didn't happen, unfortunately, but they're talking to him all the time. Um, yeah. So anyway, it is imminent. It is, um, it is imminent. I guess that maybe this treaty or agreement needs to finish before that they can do that. Uh, anyway. But. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I am. It's been a very, very interesting year. <laughs> so I just feel like things are going to get more exciting as we go on. So you're getting lots of people reaching out to you to put them on shows lately? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people who are having encounters mm -hmm. um, contact me. And a lot of people are contacting me, you know, about some of the YouTube videos I'm putting out. Like, oh, this happened to me and that happened to me. I'm so glad you put that out, you know, because... Uh, a lot of people have nowhere to turn. There's yeah. no official body, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dang one. Again, it's been fabulous. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing some of your wisdom hey. and your stories with us. My pleasure. Thank you. I had a blast. It was fun. Okay. Wow. Wasn't Preston fabulous? I just went and got a cup of tea in between finishing the show with him and coming back to talk to you. What a wealth of information. And just reiterating for people that want to find out more about him, prestondennett.weebly.com is his website, which is one of those free websites anyway. And uh, his YouTube channel is, um, I guess if you just put in Preston Dennett on YouTube, it'll come up. Uh, I don't know what the, what his YouTube channel is called, but um, yeah, he's got a wealth of information on his YouTube channel and um, talking about talking about a, a lot of the cases um, and also his books. You can find all his books too there. Um, I'll, I'll put the Amazon link <laughs> to some of his books or to all of his books, I suppose, on my page on my website. If you're interested in some of the books, the one that he wrote, the autobiographical one, I should have got him to send that to me. I don't even know he written that. I'm, it was someone that's got you know, 28 books or whatever. Where do you start? <laughs> Where do you start? But that one sounds fascinating. Yeah, and if you buy them off my affiliate links, uh, we get a couple of cents and it supports the shows. Um, yeah, so that's just a thought. Uh, yeah, wow. What did you think of him? Did you love him? I loved him. I could have talked to him all day. I'm going to get him back on the show. Um, I don't know specifically what we'll talk about next time, but we could talk about anything. Uh, I guess uh, one of his latest books. Uh, yeah, I think I'd like to explore next time what the craft looked like. He's spoken to so many people that have been up on craft and just um, their explanations really of uh, what they saw when they're on the craft. There were so many questions I could have asked him. Fascinating. He was saying, after I turned off the recording that uh, he was all excited and energized after the conversation. And it's like seven o'clock at night there for him. So he's kind of wind down, have dinner and go to bed, but he's all kind of like excited. Maybe he'll get some more downloads. What an amazing man. I don't think too many people who have interviewed him or had him on their shows have found out so much about him and what he has experienced because, because he is a researcher, they're talking about his research and everybody else. But I just was fascinated to hear his story, especially the out of body stuff and that he met his mother and was playing with his mother after she died in different realms. And he, she was giving him a tour of heaven. That was just, wasn't that fascinating? Look, life is amazing. Life's amazing here and everywhere else. But 
I think that one of the things I wanted to press, one of the um, points that I wanted to press was that, you know, while we are physically focused and we are swimming around in density and fear and limitation, it is our jobs as the light workers, the difference makers, the new world teachers, the light weavers, it's to bring that vibration to earth and to bring the excitement and the joy and to accentuate the positive because so many people in this world accentuate the negative. I mean, the news is just totally accentuating the negative. You know, that's why I started the show. I looked out into all the news and current affair programs. Oh, the current affair programs were so depressing. And I just thought, oh, we need to counterbalance this, you know, and, and put some accentuate the positive. Anyway, it turned into more than just accentuating the positive. It turned into what the show is today. But, um, but the message, nonetheless, is important to accentuate the positive. So be the light in this world. Be the joy. Be the excitement. Be the be the fun yeah remind people that just because we are swimming in density it doesn't mean we can't have a good time and be excited and create a new world it's it it, it is with that vibration he was talking about wendy being the master manifester it's with that vibration of lightness of being of excitement and joy that we become the master manifestors of this realm uh, yeah, the challenge is that, you know, can we put our focus on what lights us up instead of looking at all the things that bring us down? Because when we bring our energy down, when we lower our vibration, we can't manifest as rapidly or it doesn't look like we're manifesting as rapidly as when we heighten our vibration. We're actually manifesting all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. There isn't a moment that we are alive or dead where we're not manifesting, uh, but we're manifesting, uh, you know, what we're vibing. And so if we want to manifest a brighter, happier, healthier, more joyous, more loving world, then we have to be that vibration in order for that to spread in the world. Mm. Mm. And the ETs know that. Some of them don't have the emotion, the emotions that we feel that we experience. And so to us, they seem emotionless, but they just don't have the variety or the f of, of frequency available to them like us, like the, the Mr. Spock from, from um, Star Trek, you know, he seemed like he didn't have any emotions, but he had emotion, just not, not as vast in the spectrum. So things that would upset a human would be like, hmm, that's really fascinating <laughs> to an alien <laughs> or an ET. Yeah, which I find myself doing a lot these days too. When I look upon heinous, hideous things on the internet, I, I go more into, hmm, isn't that interesting? Isn't that fascinating? Rather than, oh, isn't that terrible? Um, yeah, so we can do it. We can be human and we can do that. Okay, who's coming up next week? As usual, I don't know. Um, I don't even know who's coming into the inner sanctum. I'm not very organized this morning. As I said, I had this Chinese doctor, the healer. Oh, Lewis, Lois, Lois. Hollis is coming on next week. We're going to talk about shame, mm, which will be interesting. That'll be a really interesting conversation with Lois. And Blossom's coming on after that. She channels and she's just such a delight. I love her stuff. Uh, I'm going to listen to one of her latest channelings soon. And who's coming on after that? Susan Raven, who's a beautiful singer who is connected to the, um, the fae, the fairy world, the, um, 
the uh, yeah the nature spirits. So we're going to talk about that and and her music, and lots more people coming up. Uh, I think I said last time Courtney Beck is going to come back on the show. Courtney is an amazing young healer that I met through uh, through uh, oh God I've gone blank. Um, spirit sisters God, I've gone blank me and names lately they just fly out of my head I know her so well anyway she introduced me to Courtney she has a podcast show called spirit sisters and where she talks all about ghosts and, and, and an award-winning book called spirit sisters as well and I've gone totally blank it'll come to me in a minute and um, so Courtney is this young healer who woke up only a few years ago and she's channeling all these books and she said she's got a new guide that came through that channeled a new book they just come through her so quickly just downloaded anyway she's going to come and talk about that and then Stephen Strong, who I was talking about with Preston, is going to talk about the Palladian light box opening on the 21st of December, the crystal, Palladian crystal light box. That's going to be fascinating. And, and a lot more people coming on the show. So it's going to be fun. Oh, I'm going to talk to Tom Bartlett too. We're going to talk about, well, I don't know, politics and viruses and kind of get more focused on what's happening in our world. He's a young you know, I think they're all extraterrestrials. They're all higher consciousness beings parading, masquerading as humans. <laughs> uh, we all are really, uh, but just tapped into higher consciousness and amazing, got amazing things to bring this world. So thanks again for listening to another show and watching and listening to another show. And remember to leave your comments and share the shows. If you're enjoying them, press the subscribe button. If you're listening on the audio platforms and you can rate the shows, it really helps spread the shows. If you rate the shows and say that you enjoyed it, uh, then the algorithms on the audio platforms like iTunes or Apple, Apple Music or Spotify or anywhere, all those ones, the more people like the shows and rate the shows, the more they the more they become available for other people to see. It's the same on, on YouTube too. The more you comment and the more you like and subscribe, the more the algorithms show them up on the sidebar and say, you know, you might like this as well. Yeah, it's, it's the way it works. So I'd really appreciate your help in doing that. And uh, remember to buy the book Awakened by Death. It's coming into the inner sanctum. Uh, Laurie Ladd's going to come in actually uh, into David's group, which we're going to combine David's group and the inner sanctum. She's going to come in in a couple of weeks and chat to us. And I've got somebody else coming in too. I think, oh, I think Sage from Chon Oneness is coming into the inner sanctum this month. So we're going to have a couple of teachers in the inner sanctum this month. Uh, and also I'm on every week teaching and getting people connected to their guidance and teaching deliberate creation and really what I've been doing lately is getting people um, empowered so that they feel they've got something to share with the world and get their message out oh no Penny Kelly's coming in this month and then Zoe's coming in in November who's John Oneness uh, Penny's coming back into the inner sanctum this month oh that'll be fun um, Preston was saying that uh, yeah, he watched the show I did with Penny and he was fascinated because Penny has been openly talking about her ET connections and contacts on her YouTube channel with Daphne. And I was the first one to get her. She was sort of, um, she wasn't hiding it, but she wasn't openly talking about it before. And then I tuned into her mob and I thought, no, I want to hear about this. So when she came on my show, I sort of pressed her and she, she openly spoke about it. But she did say to me that she hadn't, really openly spoken too much before my show and then 
that kind of opened the door for her and Daphne and her explored that on her show her you know who she is where she's she came from why she came and what her mission is and all, all sorts of things on um she's been uploading a, a a show every um every day so that's fascinating penny yeah anyway i'm gonna go now i'm gonna go have some more breakfast <laughs> love to you all big love bye for now <laughs>